I feel like today is a really, really important day. Um, what I have is, it's less about a teaching and it's more about kind of speaking prophetically into something that's just in the air right now. And, um, but being me, I can't help but teach into that a little. Um, but this is less about let's unpack a scripture and kind of teach something than it is something that uh, a whole lot of us are feeling really, really prophetically. Um, and I feel like today I'm meant to speak into that um, and minister into that fairly specifically. But before I kind of go into that, let me just set up context. As you've heard me say, just about every week in 2017, we've talked this year prophetically that it is the year to begin to step into the fullness of who you really are. And that means it's transition time. It's transition from life as you know it to life as you were created to be. That, that's the idea. It's the glory to glory. This is the two bit. And um, you may have heard a number of people say there's glory to glory, but it's hell in the hallway. Like the two bit is always the, the hairiest, um, most interesting part of that journey. The glory and the glory on either side are awesome, but it's the two part uh, where there can be times of really, really intense warfare in spirit. And I know a whole lot of our intercessors have been feeling it. Um, Intercessors are like, if you've, I was up in the Hunter Valley um, with a client thing this week, and as you drive through the vineyards, one of the things you see a lot is there's roses on the end of the, um, on, on each end of a, what do you call the strip of grapey things? You know, I know that the, the vine's what's growing up. There's like a row of trellis. That'll do. That sounds good. Let's go with that. There's a trellis, and at each end there is a rose. And the idea of the roses is any of the bugs or the, the bad stuff that's going to come hits the roses first. So they know if the, the vines are under attack because the roses will get it first. And intercessors are a bit like the roses at the end of the trellises. They, they feel it, they cop it first. But it is like a prophetic signal, hey, this is the attack. This is what's coming against the vineyard. So treat it there and it won't touch the vineyard. Does that make sense? I, I love how I was driving along and looking at them going, oh, that is so prophetic. And then I thought, oh, I sound like Chris Patton. Those of you who know Chris, um, my dear, dear friend um, who is down in Melbourne, is, everything is prophetic. But that particularly is. Um, so we're in a transition time, as I said, and transition times are when there can be really, really intense warfare in spirit because the enemy doesn't want you to transition. Um, any of you ladies who have ever given birth, and I'm not one of those on either count, lady or have given birth, um, but I've been a part of that experience enough three times to know that transition time is the point where everyone wants to get off. Yeah? <laughs> yeah it's like, yeah, no, no, I'm done. I'm done. Let, let's just cancel this whole thing. I want to go home. That, that's transition time. And interestingly, in the spirit, it's really very similar. It's the time where people kind of go, yeah, I'm done. Boom, I want to go home. Let me out of here. Because the two part, like I said, there's some really intense warfare. It's also the time when you can kind of, I don't know which way is up. I don't know. I don't know what's going on right now. Now, we're also, part of this transition is it's a fire season. So fire seasons often precede a manifestation season. Now, manifestation season is when you are actually doing the stuff that you're created to do you are actually demonstrating the kingdom call on your life. Fire seasons often become for, before that because they help us to shed the excess, the excess baggage that are going to hold you back in the manifestation seasons. 
So the fire comes through and it refines. And if you know anything about the process of refining gold, it goes through this really hot fire and all the, the garbagey stuff called the dro- comes to the surface and then you just go kind of off the top and what you're left with is purified gold. That's the idea of a fire season. All of our baggage, all of our stuff surfaces, comes to the top. You can get a really good look at it when it's on the top. Now, that's not particularly encouraging when it's your stuff. <laughs> yeah? It's not particularly encouraging. It's like, man, all my stuff is just coming up right now. There it is right in front of me. Wow, I can see it. I can smell it. I can taste it. Not fun. But the purpose of it coming up, if we understand the season, isn't to accuse you, isn't to discourage you. It's so that God can just go. And what's left behind is purified gold. It's a much more purified, refined version of who you are that's ready to walk into the next season of manifesting who, who you are and who Christ is in you. Now, one of the most, if you like, familiar, and I'll explain that word a little bit more shortly, but one of the most familiar battles flying around in spirit at the moment, um, and I'll I'll say what that is in in a moment, but I want to expose it, and I want to minister in the opposite. And this particular um, spiritual battle will affect different people in different ways to different levels, but there has been enough prophetic people Enough people in general picking this up, sensing it over the last few weeks. And I, I said to Deb, I think about two weeks ago, okay, I really need to minister into this, like pronto. Um, so pronto, therefore, is right now. Now, what I'm talking about is rejection, orphanitis, I'll explain that in a minute, and isolation. It's, the, it's this, this rejection thing in spirit that leaves us feeling like we don't fit, we don't belong, we don't matter. And we, we feel like we're kind of thrown out onto the scrap heap. And as a result of that feeling, we tend to isolate ourselves. We want to pull away from community. And we just want to kind of crawl into our hole, into our little corner and rock backwards and forwards and go wobble. That's a Blackadder reference, just in case anyone didn't understand what that is when he puts his underpants on his head and sticks two pencils up his nose. And then he says wobble. That's, that's, he's going nuts. You feel like you're going mad um, quite often. But you want, to, you want to just go back into your corner and just rock backwards and forwards and go, I've had enough, I want to get off. Now, so this is a familiar battle. In particular, I want to start with, a, with an even broader context of why that spirit is so familiar in Australia and why it's particularly familiar in Sydney. And when I say familiar, we're so used to it, we don't even know it's there. Um, I don't know if you... This happens to me a lot in... Um, varying rooms that I tend to facilitate stuff in. Sometimes the air conditioners are on automatic timers and no one knows that the thing is turned off. Like it's been on, but then somewhere like the automatic timer cuts off after an hour or an hour and a half and whatever. And then we've been in there, like there's 20 of us in there breathing the air and we don't even notice. And then you walk out and it's quite familiar. You walk outside, it's like, oh, fresh air. And then you walk back in and go, oh, it's horrible in here. So familiar stuff is like being stuck in the room without any oxygen, but you don't know it because it's just, it's, it's like the frog, in the frog in the kettle. You become so used to it. It's become part of your normal. You just think, oh, I'm feeling a little sleepy. I'm feeling a bit lethargic. I need more coffee. And that may be true. You need more coffee. Everyone needs more coffee. Um, but in that case, it's this familiar thing. Now, Australia as a nation was actually founded on a spirit of rejection. Our nation was founded by a whole bunch of people from another country called England going, all you people, you're bad, very, very bad. We're going to send you to the other side of the world and we're going to dump you on this massive island and we're going to leave you there. 
the people that nobody wanted, the rejects of society, they sent here, and on that, our nation was founded. And we wonder why rejection is such a familiar feeling in the air. So familiar that we don't even recognize it sometimes. So what it resulted in is a bunch of orphans founding our country as we know it today. And I'm not saying that in an accusatory way. I'm just saying that's a natural result of being rejected and spat out is this orphan thing settles on you, which says, I have no family, I have no identity, I have no community, and I have no inheritance. So we started with the people who no one wanted, who were kicked out of their country. And then also when we got here, we ceremonially kicked the snot out of the people that were already here. So that put further rejection into the place. And so everywhere you looked, there was mistrust, there was suspicion, there was rejection, there was a bunch of orphans. And on that, the spirit of our nation was established. Now, Sydney was the city where all of that began. So it's actually way more intense here than anywhere else in the country. Because it began right here. And in fact, some of that early history is right here in this suburb. Like a kilometre that way was the Battle of Vinegar Hill, if you know any of your Australian, you know, early Australian history around coming into the early 1800s, the late 1700s. That was, that was right just over there, right next to Rouse Hill Town Centre and all along that strip. Um, so that history is very rich, even in this very postcode. So it is a really, really familiar thing. Rejection is one of the most familiar spirits in this city. And as a result, the most natural, if you like, momentum in spirit, the spirit of the air is rejection. I don't fit. I don't belong. I don't matter. And therefore, we go into self-protection and we disconnect. And, we go, and that disconnection protection is we isolate ourselves. And if we don't do it physically, we certainly do it emotionally. Now, if we don't understand that this is the spirit of the air, especially if you're spiritually sensitive, you're going to own this as your own feeling. You're going to pick it up in the air, but if you don't pick up, it's in the air, it's not you, then you'll own it. You'll take it on board and just go, oh, man, I feel crap. I just feel, yeah, I just feel like I don't fit. I feel like I don't belong. So if we don't understand it's the spirit of the air, we'll own it as our own feeling. And therefore, we, when we own it as our own feeling, we actually align with it and we get sucked into this vortex in spirit of that thing. And then we wonder why we're discouraged, depressed, and just feel like, insert your own adjective here. <laughs> now, there are a thousand, probably a little more, things about us as a church that we could fix or do better in terms of how we love people, care for people. There, there is a heap of things. There's a really long list, and, and we're, we're kind of working our way through the list. There's, there's hundreds of things that we could do a whole lot better. But even if we did every single one of them perfect, it wouldn't make that feeling go away because it's not about the pragmatics. It's actually about the spirit of the air. And if we don't deal with it there first, no matter what we do on the ground, that thing will remain, that feeling will remain. Now, the pull to get sucked into the vortex of this thing is amplified when our own personal history and brokenness involves rejection. Because then it's even more familiar. Because not only is it the spirit of the air, but it's my history too. And so, like I said, that pull, that suck into that vortex becomes all the more stronger. Now, the reality is the vast majority of us 
have rejection at least at some level because rejection is the result of either absent or distorted love. And we live in an imperfect world and even the best of our parents were imperfect. So I say, I think we all need therapy at some point in our life, if not yearly or weekly. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, <laughs> the vast majority of it have it at some level. Um, so we all can get sucked into this vortex in one way or another. Then as well, stick it on top of that, we have the generational inheritance from our parents that went before us. Because the sins of the forefathers go to the third and fourth generation. The good news of that is that God's kindness goes to a thousand generations. So the blessing outweighs the curse by 250 to 1. That's the good news. But that doesn't mean we still don't get impacted and affected by the generational poop dump that comes and backs up the truck and dumps all the stuff of the previous generation in our lap and lets us deal with it until someone takes authority over that thing. So for many of us, we're dealing with the spirit of the air. We're dealing with a generational inheritance of rejection as well as our own experience and unhealedness from rejection. And we wonder why we feel disconnected and isolated. Because especially in Sydney, which has that spirit and is also so ridiculously fast-paced as a city. It's just like, it's so easy to let the world go on and think, I just don't fit anywhere. Uh, is this resonating with anyone or is this just my life? <laughs> this is just my week. <laughs> then as a result of that feeling, we start to behave out of those feelings. And therefore, it causes us to behave in ways that actually get us rejected. Because we feel rejected, isolated, alone, disconnected, we behave in ways out of that feeling that actually cause us to get rejected. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I've always said that the spirit of rejection is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It causes you to behave in ways that get you rejected. So you can go, see, told you. And then the, 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 mo the easiest things that come out of this is negativity, ease of offense. In other words, I become very easy to offend. <laughs> and then I blame others for my own lack of acceptedness when it's my own wounding in me that's actually creating the reality around me. And then the only way from there to feel a sense of belonging is to get, gather together with other people who've got the same spirit of rejection and you feel like if here in your mind is the place where everyone fits and is connected, I'm out here, but I'm out here with a whole lot of other people that feel the same about what's there. And my sense of belonging comes around sharing the negative and feasting on the negativity of the spirit of rejection about all the stuff that's going on in there. Did that make sense? It was clear in my head. But, but it's a false sense of belonging. It's a codependent false sense of belonging because we're fellowshipping around a spirit of rejection instead of fellowshipping around the spirit of God. And... It's almost like this addictive false comfort. I mean, I speak of what I know. You know I've <laughs> done this and fellowship with this particular spirit. Um, and uh, it's really not your friend. It really doesn't make you happy. It may feel therapeutic for a time that I can just kind of vomit my stuff out with, with a whole lot of other people going, yeah, that's so right. But actually... It's a false comfort. It's a false fellowship. But it's so easy to do in our city because of the spirit of the air. Now, 
the familiarity factor, both... So this, it's familiar both atmospherically in terms of the spirit of the air in, in our city, in our region, but, and then when it's also familiar personally, it's like, I've never known any different. Like with the air conditioners, I've never known a room that has oxygen in it, so this is just what it's always like. That's like, like water is to a fish. Like it's just like, this is the way it always is, this is the way it's always been. It's just the way it is. But what the familiarity thing does is it creates a faith paradigm in us where we actually have faith for rejection. In other words, we believe it's going to happen to us. In other words, so I have faith for it. And several series ago, I talked about faith actually attracts to you the object of that faith. So if I have faith for rejection, if I have faith that people are going to reject me, then that spirit hangs around me and I actually attract that to me. This is why smashing familiar spirits is so fun. It's such a, it, it's a good pastime. Because when I accept that rejection, disconnection, isolation, orphan thing, when I accept that as normal, I actually align myself in spirit with a demon that is assigned to me to uh, sabotage and abort my destiny. When you say it like that, it's like, wow, that's a really bad idea. So what I want to do just briefly here is I want to give you three really pragmatic keys to align with the other side, okay, to align with the Spirit of God and to set your life up in alignment with connection, with with that spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. Um, And then shortly after that, I want to pray into some stuff really, really specifically. I want to to break the, the atmospheric connection to us. I want to break the familiarity. I want to break some generational stuff. And then I want us to, to worship for a little bit and just start to respond. And then I want to come back and minister into it um, a little bit more personally, a little bit more specifically. So three really practical keys. And when I say practical, the first one is actually a stance that you take rather than something that you do. So, you know, it's, it's practic- practical in that I can put it into a list of three things. And most preachers just do that. Lists of three are very anointed. Um, So the very first thing to undermine this is a determination. It's a determined stance that I take. And the stance is this. I am responsible for my own connection. I take responsibility for my own heart being connected. Now, if you think the spirit of the air, the momentum, the natural momentum of the spirit of the air is to push you into isolation, disconnection, orphan land rejection land. So my stance is I'm going to take a stance into the headwind and I'm going to actually take a stance in the exact opposite direction. And instead of what rejection does is blame everyone else for rejecting me and then go, see, I told you. I say, my, re- my connection is my responsibility. Now, if all of us do that, we've got ourselves a party. Because the thing that may be going around in some of your head is, well, if I do that and no one else does, what happens? Well, it won't feel great. That I can tell you because we're around imperfect people. But I determine what I align with. No matter what anyone else does, a mature person says, no matter what you do, this is who I am. 
This is who I'm going to be. This is the stance that I determined to take in the middle of this. Even if the rest of you are all dysfunctional, obviously I'm not talking about here, I'm talking about all the people somewhere over there, out there. Now, even if you choose to all be dysfunctional and all on your own, I make a choice. This is who I'm going to be. I'm going to take responsibility for my own connection. See, I'm born again into a family. I wasn't just born again so that I individually go to heaven. That's a very Western individualistic idea of the kingdom, and it's actually not the culture into which the kingdom was birthed from. The kingdom actually was birthed out of a very collectivist culture, a very family-oriented culture, where my identity is not just attached to who I am and my immediate family, but my identity is actually attached to the tribe that I belong to. Not in a codependent way, but in a healthy way. Of, of, there's this sense of, I'm part of something. I belong. I fit. I matter. Indigenous cultures are amazing at this. They, they see the world so differently to us, and there's something profoundly beautiful about it. I could get really lost down that line for a moment, but we've got to remember, I'm born again into a family and I'm going to position myself as such. I'm going to position myself as a member of family that I'm going to take responsibility for my connection and I'm going to lean into community even when it doesn't feel comfortable. That's number one. That's my first determination. I have to determine my stance. Second one. Now, this is going to sound so profoundly obvious, but in our culture... Today, I have to say this, and I have to say it fairly loud. Do not forsake meeting together. Now, that may sound familiar as a scripture for some of you. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. There it is. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess... For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. It's really hard to do that on your own. It's really hard to do that, to be obedient to that scripture in a vacuum. So let us spur, another on, spur one another on. The, the, the word there in Greek is, is the concept of try and outdo one another. It's like, you think that's kind. Watch this. I'm going to take that to a whole other level. Oh, you think that's kind. Let me, I'm going to take that love to a whole other level. It's that kind of... Godly competition almost is, is the sense of that word. Is yes, we encourage each other, come on, boys, you can do it, go. And you do it easy. But, um, but, it, but it's like, I see what you do and I go, oh, yeah, let's take that to another level. And then, then we see what that does and we take it to another level. And like I said, it's really difficult to do that on your own. And then, let us, uh, and let us not give up meeting together as some are in a habit of doing. But encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It says, do not give up meeting together regularly as some are in the habit of doing. Now, if that scripture was written today in the West, I think the word some would be translated loads. And even more superlative versions of that. Loads. Because in our day... It's, it's, like, it's, it's like an additional extra. It's like, well, if I have time, if it fits into the diary, I'll do it. And if it doesn't, well, I don't. Yet a kingdom life is a family life. A kingdom life is a tribal life. What I do doesn't affect just me. What you do doesn't affect just you. But our culture in this city in particular is so full of distractions. 
I don't know if you noticed that. I don't think it's just me in this case. But it's so, like everything's moving at such a pace. It is so full of distractions. There's 100,000 things that can grab your attention. But part of the kingdom life is what is my stance? What am I going to set as my priorities? Now, this may shock some of us, but the definition of a priority is something that you build your life around. A priority is not something that fits in if you haven't got something better to do. All right, this is going well. Um, yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> so we actually have to determine that connection is a priority. And there are some times where that's super easy, like I just can't wait to see everyone, and there are some weeks where that's actually, yeah, I'd really rather my little corner with the underpants and the pencils going wobble, <laughs> rocking backwards and forwards, you know? <laughs> And don't believe that pastors don't feel that way some weeks. <laughs> what, the pencils and the, yeah. <laughs> and then it says, all the more of you see, as you see the day approaching. Now, I reckon here, so it says, don't forsake meeting ready together. All the more as you see the day approaching. See, as the day, as in the, the time of the end approaches, the spiritual battle intensifies. And I think whoever wrote Hebrews was looking forward prophetically and going, it's got, the momentum coming against you is going to be a whole lot harder the further we go down. Therefore, you have to decide a whole lot more to make that thing a priority. Because increasingly, the spiritual momentum, the spirit of the air, will be leading you towards isolation and disconnection. And whoever wrote Hebrews is saying, don't go there. It's not going to help you. It's going to leave you miserable. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all wise judgment. It's like, bam, there it is. It says he. So it seems like it's only guys that do this. <laughs> was, that, was that a good... <laughs> they. They. No, it's not just guys that do this. See, and it says, they who isolate themselves. In other words, isolation starts with what you do to you, not with what someone else does to you. See, if you're responsible for your connection, isolation begins with what you do to you, not what anyone else does to you. Now, we lend to get... <laughs> We really, in community, I talked about this when I talked about the family of God, is the more, that we, the more that we are together, the closer proximity we are to each other, the more we annoy the heck out of each other. It's just the way it is. It's like the people that you love most on the earth also annoy the heck out of you the most on the earth. Any of you with kids? Any of you married? Oh, that one's a bit close to home. So. <laughs> I was more talking about Deb toward me. Deb sends her apologies, by the way. Her eyes are kind of overflowing with um, stuff that you don't want to catch that's very catchy. She'll be healed very soon. That's conjunctivitis, by the way, if you're wondering what I'm talking about. Um, so isolation starts with what you do to yourself, and it is so easily to come up with all kinds of excuses, but most of our excuses are in some way connected to offence, and offence is really easily when I've got a rejection wound. It's super easy. So firstly, determination. What's your stance? Secondly, don't forsake meeting together. The third thing is, and this really hits the orphan spirit, is to prioritize father and mother relationships in your life. I'm talking fathers and mothers in spirit. People that can look you in the eye and give you feedback. 
people that know you intimately. Paul said to Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4.15, he said, you have many instructors, but not many fathers. And there are so many places in Corinthians where Paul is, is smacking that orphan spirit. And yet for years, I never saw it. I, just, I, I didn't see it in there. And then all of a sudden, it's like a, a switch went flick and I made one connection. All of a sudden, it's right through the whole thing. He's hitting it everywhere. But he says, you have many instructors. Now, we have, we have so many instructors these days. YouTube, it's awesome. I mean, I love the fact that you, can, you want some good teaching. You're in the mood for some good teaching any day. You can grab a podcast. You can grab a YouTube video. You can flick on iBethel TV or any other, you know, Christian thing that will stream you, Hillsong TV, whatever it is, that'll stream you hundreds, thousands of hours of amazing quality, really good teaching and some other stuff too. So we can have so many instructors, it's crazy, but you can't be fathered by a YouTube teacher. You can't be fathered by a church TV subscription. You can't be fathered by or mothered by a podcast. Because to be mother and father, there has to be an intimacy in that relationship that says we, we can, intimacy is into me, I let you see. Fathers and mothers speak into your world on a much deeper, on a much more intimate level. They call to issues of the heart. They don't let you stay immature. They look you in the eye and say, come on, you're actually way better than how you're acting right now. But not only that, they also say, hey, see what you just did? That was way more awesome than you're letting yourself believe. Because rejection doesn't actually let you take good feedback either. When you do actually do something awesome, we just kind of fob off the encouragement and go, oh, yeah, oh, well. Or we do something, we try and spiritualize it and go, oh, well, that was just the Lord. And it's like, no, it wasn't that good. <laughs> it was good, but it wasn't that good. <laughs> but prioritizing father and mother relationships in our life smacks that orphan spirit. You know, we, we who have the spirit of God in us should be the most hungry for our own growth and development. And... I mean, I've had the, because I, I spend a lot of time out in the corporate world and dealing with people around their own personal growth and development, the hunger out there is obscene in a good way. That was some kind of a reverse thing. That the hunger out there is, is incredible. Like, they pull stuff out of you. And then it's so easy, because I also walk into lots and lots of churches um, throughout my year, and sometimes the, the hunger level is so different. It's like sometimes it's actually hungrier out in the world for their own growth and development than the church. Because for some reason, we get this thing that says, well, I have Jesus. Don't tell me there's anything wrong with me. And it's just religious pride and it, just, it doesn't make you happy. So I don't know why we'd want to hang around with that stuff. But prioritizing that father, those father and mother relationships where, where we want to grab a hold of people that are maybe a little bit further down the journey than us and say, speak into my life, father me, mother me. Yet the word elder in the New Testament is actually a parenting term. We think of it as a board member. You know, most of our experience of elders are they're the, the, the boring ones who walk around and tell us to stop doing bad stuff and stop making a mess of the church And if, in my younger days. That was when I was a youth pastor. I was making a mess of the church, actually. Um, I'm talking the property, not the hot... Actually, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not here to reflect on that right now because that could really not go well for me. Um, but the word elder is actually a much more tribal kind of term 
where the elders were the ones who the community looked to to say, father me, mother me, teach me life, teach me how to do life, teach me how to do marriage, teach me how to do relationships, teach me how to cut down this tree or build this spear or whatever that is. And you don't just, unlike in the natural, you don't just have one mother and father, you can have many fathers and many mothers. Because Paul said, you have many instructors, but not many fathers. In other words, you can have many fathers. People can father you in your, in your business, in your career, and others can father you in your spiritual walk and in the prophetic or in whatever your gift role might be. But part of the way we undermine this rejection thing is to prioritize mothers and fathers because they look you in the eye with love and they, tell, they remind you who you are. That, that's the ultimate father-mother thing. Anointing is to remind you who you really are. They don't point to your stuff. They call you up to who you are. And Simba, remember who you are. From The Lion King. That movie was so prophetically powerful. I'm doing a Chris Patton again. Um, so the three practical things that we can do to actually position ourselves in the opposite spirit. Number one, determine your stance. I'm responsible for my connection. I'm not putting that in everyone else's hands. I'm actually going to take the initiative. If I want to feel connected, I'm going to take the initiative. Even when other people do stupid stuff, or don't actually respond in kind, I'm going to make a determination as to who I am. And when we keep that determination, we will find the right God connections. Don't forsake meeting together. Make it a priority. You see, your destiny is actually attached to a tribe. This is the thing in the kingdom. In the West, it's so easy for us to think, my destiny is my individual thing. And I need to fulfill my destiny. But the kingdom actually doesn't know that as a way. You find your destiny by finding your tribe. And then once you've found your tribe, that's where your destiny gets birthed out of. You're born into a family. And then thirdly, so don't forsake meeting together. Don't isolate yourself. Don't do that to yourself. Thirdly, prioritize mothers and fathers in your life. So we're in transition as a church family right now. We are heading towards a much more public expression of our ministry. When, when we shift out of this place, which has been great and it's been a, an incredible healing place, it's been an incredible healing well for us, but we're heading into a much more public expression. We're, we're starting to make moves in terms of Transformation Centre out into the community and being really intentional about inviting and engaging with the community, not just asking them to come in here, but I, us actually going to them out there. All of that stuff is starting to shift and our sense is the enemy is starting to get... Um, A bit of a strong bowel reaction, if you like, to that. Um, he, he, he's, he's getting nervous. Now, <laughs> yeah, just before dinner, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. But we're giving him that reaction. We don't have it ourselves, thankfully. If anyone does, we'll pray for healing from a distance. Um, so we're in transition as a church family, but we're also prophetically in transition personally. That glory to glory thing, stepping into the fullness of who we really are. There is transition in the air everywhere. And it is the two part. When we are transitioning, that's when all the, all the stuff just starts to fly. The warfare gets a whole lot more intense. And I've watched too many people check out in the midst of warfare and actually undermine and abort their own destiny because they couldn't take the heat in the midst of the two, in the midst of the transition. So if you're feeling the heat right now, I want to say to you prophetically, you are so close to your breakthrough. 
because the fire is always hottest just before the breakthrough because the enemy knows when the breakthrough is coming, he can sense it. He's a spiritual being. (laughs) He can sense what's happening in the air and so he'll turn up the attack to stop you stepping into your breakthrough. And when we lose perspective of the journey and we just think, oh, this sucks, I hate this, and we check out, the enemy goes, gotcha, just before the breakthrough. If only you knew what was just around the corner, but gotcha. And I want to say, as a spiritual dad in this house, not on my watch. No way. Not on my watch. I will not have anyone's destiny aborted in this place because of one of the enemy's oldest tricks in the book that just happens to match with the spiritual history of our city and a whole lot of our own life experience. So I want to suggest it's time for us to corporately take a stand against this thing and to own some stuff. What I want to do, in just a second, I'm going to get you a stand and I'm going to pray. And Jen and Pete, do you guys want to come up and get ready um, as well? The first thing I want to do is I want to pray a breaking of or, or a separation between us and the spirit of the air. So for many of us, and particularly if you're very spiritually sensitive, you may be completely unaware that some of the stuff you've been feeling actually isn't yours. It's just the spirit of the air. And because you're spiritually sensitive, you pick it up. But if you don't recognize it's the air, the spirit of the air, you'll own it and then you'll align with it and you'll come under it. So I want to pray a separation on that. I want to break the familiarity in spirit. Because that familiarity thing, it's kind of like this, I can't quite describe what I see with it, but it's like this, this grid or this covering that sits over everything that causes you to see things in a certain way. And we break the familiarity. All of a sudden you can see, oh, that's actually not me. That's very different to who I am. That's different to who I'm created to be. And I start to see it as separate instead of something that's normal. That, that's the point of breaking familiarity. Um, And then I want to pray a breaking of the generational inheritance that we all have. Now, this requires your agreement. Now, I'm I'm going to pray this stuff, but ultimately whether this has power is up to you because your agreement matters here. See, when generational stuff comes down our line, and we could spend, you know, a whole day workshop just on this thing alone, but when a generational stuff comes down the line, when it's been familiar, we've actually agreed with it. You know, bit by bit, day by day, all through our life. And so for that to be broken and the generational stuff to be broken, I have to actually go, I recognize that, I see it, and I renounce it now in Jesus' name. I declare, I I renounce that part of my inheritance. Doesn't mean we're writing our whole inheritance off, by the way. Okay? It just means we're dealing with the third and fourth generation stuff and we're accepting the 250 generation stuff of blessing. Then we're going to worship for just a moment. It's not going to be long. But I want us to worship um, for a moment just to get us responding. And then I'm going to come back and minister for just a few minutes specifically into our own personal rejection stuff. And then we'll be done and we can start heading towards dinner. But I wanted to take just a little more time around this because I just feel that we're at a critical junction in spirit as a community. For many of you personally where you may have been in danger, it won't be everyone, but for some of you, you're in danger of checking out because the battle's getting too hot. The warfare's heating up. And you're kind of going, I don't know what to do. You know, for some, you may have been, you know, isolated, disconnected, you know, whether physically or emotionally. And the call of the Father saying, come back and find your place in family. So let's stand. And I want to pray some of this stuff.
as a person who has spiritual authority in this house, I want to wield a sword on your behalf and for your good. But can I encourage you as we're praying, if you agree, even just say yes out loud. <laughs> okay, because the confession of your mouth matters here. So Holy Spirit, we, just, we know that you're already here. And God, where that spirit of rejection is being stirred up, even as we speak, God, we just bind that right now in the name of Jesus and we forbid its operation. We forbid its function. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over the spirit of the air and its connection to us. And as a, as a church, as a family, for everyone who's in this room, for everyone who is a part of this house, for everyone within the sound of my voice, whether it be on podcast or whatever, in the name of Jesus, we disconnect you from the spirit of the air right now in Jesus' name. We separate you from the spirit of the air in this city and this nation, from that rejection, isolating, orphan spirit. We separate you from that right now so that you can know the difference between what's in the air and what's yours. And don't own something that's not yours. The Bible says we haven't been given a spirit of fear. So if you're feeling fear, it's not yours because God didn't give it to you. It's not yours. So don't own it. We separate you in the name of Jesus from that spirit of rejection that's been at the foundation of our nation, that's been at the foundation of this city. And I just declare over you and your spirit, it's not you. It's not you. It's what's in the air. And what's in the air is not you. And with apostolic authority, I declare a shield over you from the spirit of the air. I declare you hidden in Christ from the spirit of the air in the name of Jesus. And now in Jesus' name, I take authority over the familiarity of rejection, disconnection, isolation and that orphan spirit. We break the familiarity of that right now in Jesus' name. We declare it is no longer familiar. No longer is it normal to not be sucking any oxygen. And we command that rejection, isolating, orphanating spirit to separate from us, to separate from our brain wiring, to separate from our emotions, to separate from our personality and to separate from our faith paradigm. We declare we no longer have faith for rejection. We no longer have faith for loneliness. We break our disagreement with the spirit of the air in Jesus' name. Just say that out loud. If you agree with that, I break agreement with the rejection spirit of the air. I do not align with it any longer. And I repent of ever aligning with it. I declare it's an enemy of me. It's an enemy of my community. And it's an enemy of my destiny. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. Okay, I just want you to just start to stir your spirit right now. We're going to worship just for a little bit. Then I'm going to come back and just minister a couple of things personally. But hang with this. This could be the moment you've been waiting for. Do not in any way underplay this moment.
Just begin to stir your spirit. start to lift your voice. much pain that Jesus wants to heal right now. For some of you, that struggle of, I've just never known any different. I've never known life without this. I don't know what that would be. is so real. But we prophesy hope to you today. Psalm 27 verse 10 says, although my father and mother reject me, yet the Lord will take me up and adopt me as his child. Romans 8, 15 and 16, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. That spirit of adoption is the answer to the spirit of rejection. Because that spirit of adoption says, I know who my daddy is. I know whose I am. I know whose I am. I have a father. Therefore, I have an identity and I have a family. I belong. I fit. I matter. Father, we just ask you to release that spirit of adoption over us right now. God, every word of rejection that's been spoken over us, whether it was spoken overtly or whether it was spoken covertly, we break the power of those right now. And we declare over you, you are His child. And if you think that Jesus doesn't know how you feel in that rejection, when He hung on the cross, He hung there because earth rejected Him. Earth said, we don't want you. We'd rather a murderer called Barabbas than you.
and the one who had poured out his life to see so many people loved, to see so many people healed. They said, we want a murderer instead. Release the murderer, but crucify him. So he hung there on that cross because earth rejected him. He was there suspended between heaven and earth because earth said, we don't want you. And then as he turned to his father, Because he became the embodiment of sin in that moment, he turned to his father and his father turned his back because he couldn't look on sin. And that's what Jesus became in that moment for you and for me. So if you think that Jesus doesn't know your rejection, he knows it so much deeper and so much more profoundly. He was part of the Trinity and yet he hung there And the father had to turn his face. But we know the story didn't end there. We know that the enemy got a whole huge surprise at that point. He thought he had him. Thought he had him. Three days later, he wished he never touched him. give Jesus your rejection. He knows it. He gets it so profoundly. And this was the one who committed no sin. Experienced rejection. so many, I feel like there's a few of you that that there's stuff that you experienced as a child and somewhere in there the lie has been that it was because there was something wrong with me maybe I deserve this, maybe I did something to bring it on myself and I just declare that's a lie it wasn't about you, it was about them it was their brokenness, not yours Just open your heart just for a moment more. And just start to put it on your lips. Jesus, for some of you, I don't even know how to do this, but I just make a declaration with my mouth. I give you my rejection. I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to live without it, but I trust you enough. to know that you know what to do and that you can take me by the hand and walk me out of this stinky room with no oxygen into a place that's teeming with life where it's just so easy to breathe. If there's emotion and pain coming up for you right now, just let it happen. It's okay. You're in a safe place. Tears are one of the most healing things.
release that spirit of adoption. The next verse says, and His Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are His child. In other words, in the deepest, most intimate part of you, you know whose you are. You know that you are His. We release that spirit now in Jesus' name to not only rest upon, but to abide within. Father, we take responsibility for our own giving and receiving of love. Help us to grow up in love, to become more mature in love, to be more more perfect. That's what that word means, more mature and perfect in love. both by our stance in spirit but by our actions in practice that we chase away the rejection off each other off our community off our city and ultimately off our nation because even though that may have been the way our nation started you had a purpose even before this nation started you spoke to a to a Portuguese mariner and said and prophesied through him that this would be the great south land of the Holy Spirit. Not this would be the land of the rejected orphans, but this would be the great south land of the Holy Spirit. And whatever decisions, governments, plebiscites or whatever may make, we declare we are the great south land of the Holy Spirit. We declare what you say. that we would love well. (laughs) That we as a nation and as a city would become known for reflecting your heart. give you time to just do what you need to do with the Father and if you need someone to pray for you our team some of us are here and we'd love to pray with you so can I just encourage you to come and be down the front here we'd love to pray with you if that's what you need right now we don't want anyone to feel like your heart's kind of been cut open and you've got nowhere to go with that we want to love you well so we're just going to keep ministering as long as we need to. I'm sure a few amazing people will help us get food and dinner out. And it's actually a really good night to just have dinner together as a family. I think that's a prophetic thing right there. That as we minister into this, let's, let's just hang together as a family. Let's eat, drink, let's be merry, let's laugh together. Let's pray for one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's do what family does. In the name of Jesus, I just, I just cover every person here and every person in the sound of my voice. That every piece of ground that's been taken, every, every little piece of healing, every little piece of lie that's been displaced with truth. We just declare a sealing of that now in Jesus' name. That that is kingdom territory, that is kingdom ground and it cannot be taken back. We just declare, I just declare over you, you are hidden in Christ. 
that you're hidden from the spirit of the air. It can't touch you. And that you are free to fellowship with the spirit of God, with that spirit of adoption that tells you whose you are and who you are. I speak peace to you. The shalom of heaven. I speak peace to you. I speak shalom to the trauma of life. And pray, God, Holy Spirit, just touch deep. Touch deep in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.